0: Lorena junco Margaine, and I'm so excited for this journey. We decided to launch this podcast to share my story with the hope that you could connect the dots of your life and truly be on your way.
1: Today on On My Way, Lorena and expert Renu are sharing something old to this world, but possibly new for you, a hymnsa.
0: Hola, mis amigos. Hello, my friends. I'm so happy to be back with you. And today we have Renu Nam-Yoshi, which maybe you've heard a little bit about her on my first season. Second season, we will be blessed with invaluable wisdom. She's been studying for more than 20 years The topic of Vedic astrology, and she's also an Ayurveda practitioner and a transformational coach. I am very blessed to have crossed paths with her. She is truly my moral compass. I've gone through many trials, and I think I wouldn't be here sitting without you, Renu. So thank you. I wanna start thanking you, and I wanted to do an interesting concept today. I wanna invite all our listeners to be a fly in our wall today and we will have Renu and I just a session looks like I will be very vulnerable and Renu, she'll be my teacher, I'll be the student. And please know that I am a mom of three kids and two pets, and sometimes life gets crazy, and I just try to bring the principles that I've learned into down-to-earth circumstances where I think most of you, my friends, will be able to relate to. So please know that even though sometimes the concepts look or seem too complex, they are not Renu is a beautiful storyteller and she will start telling us and guiding us how to do this in a day-to-day life. So here we go. We're on our way to learning amazing things today with Renu Namiyoshi. And also please know that she has a book It's called Before Your Future, A Contemporary Guide to Self-Knowledge Through the Ancient Art of Vedic Astrology. It is a book full of wisdom and totally applicable concepts that I know you will enjoy. Either you're a beginner or an advanced student, she has a very special way of putting things already pre-digested for you. So hold on And let's get on our way to learn about this. So,
2: hello, Renu, how are you? Hello, Lorena. Thank you so much, as always, for this wonderful introduction.
0: I can't wait to learn today. The main principle will be on Ahimsa, because I think it's a fascinating story, but I know that you cannot talk about that without context. So, could you please indulge me? And I want to learn about the different... I don't recall the terminology. Could you, could you tell me a little bit about that? And then the Sanskrit words, could you put them into English so we can relate to the words and understand them and I don't feel lost with it? Because clearly I'm a beginner student, so bear with me.
2: Absolutely. So today we're going to talk, we're going to focus on ahimsa. Ahimsa is translated to often as nonviolence. As well as do no harm. But I want to put Ahimsa into context of the yogic philosophical system first. Most people, many people listening to this podcast will be familiar with yoga, asana, pranayama, that, you know, but oftentimes they may not have learned that of the eight steps laid out in the yogic books, the first two steps are called yama and niyama, okay?
0: So what you're saying is just just a little bit back. Mm-hmm. Yoga is a lifestyle, right? I learned that through you, believe it or not. For me, yoga was exercise, you know, stretching poses. And could you start first of telling it us what is a yogic path, and then we will um, put that into context, just so people we understand that it is a lifestyle. Is that right? Am I am I saying the right word? Yes,
2: yes. So the term yoga. It simply means to to yoke or to union or to bring, bring to, you know, two things that have split apart together. And oftentimes, you know, when people talk about yoga today in the modern world, they're actually talking about asana. Asana is the physical exercises that we do when we hold the postures, the postures that we do to make us more whole. But, but yoga as a term on its own is it simply is, Anything that you're doing that brings together, that makes you less split, it makes you more whole, makes you more complete. So, for example, there's yoga of relationships, which is the masculine and the feminine energies coming together. What we are doing right now is a form of yoga because we are trying to educate people to become more whole and less broken. And what the yoga philosophy is all about, you know, mainly is that we are trying to we are human beings having a spiritual experience you might have heard that before and that's why the indians we you know we join hands it is the two sides the left and the right coming together the spiritual and the physical and so yoga is a union of you, you and me as spiritual beings having a physical experience and that's hard because the spiritual side of us you know wants to soar like the spirit it's anything is possible when you're in spirit but when you're in embodied in, in a physical body, you know there are limitations, right? There are limitations. It, your body hurts. You can't, it has to eat. It has to drink. It has to have vitamins. So yoga is a, is a general word in the Vedic system of knowledge. Anything that helps us become more whole becomes a yoga, okay? And then asana is, you know, in the West, we use the word asana and yoga interchangeably. Asana is the postures which are incredibly helpful. In, in healing, in uniting the mind-body-soul complex. And so that's what asana is doing. And then that's why people equate it to exercise. And then eventually, you know, as you get deeper into, into yoga, you, you realize that there's so much more. For example, what we're going to be talking about today is in the yogic scriptures, There are, asana comes later. There are eight, eight steps, and the first two steps are yama and nyama yama is the harmony how do we live in harmony with others and nyama are the harmony with ourselves so we're going to talk about those as well as ahimsa and before we move to asana we are required to know these and so that is also yoga
0: and when you say this is this like a principles or or best practices how would you describe those names i think both i think they
2: are principles and best practices that we need to These concepts we need to bring into our life. Is Um, it
0: like the Ten Commandments sort of thing? It is sort of like
2: the Ten Commandments. Sometimes people say that yoga is Ten Commandments. But I think that there's a difference in that, that there's no punishment if you don't do them. Sometimes I feel the Ten Commandments because that's not the yogic philosophy system. It's more about. It's not
0: an obligation.
2: Yeah, it's more about our spiritual growth. It's more about our journey to get better and better at these things rather than you will not do this, you will not do that. And as we go through them, I think that will become clear.
0: Perfect, Renu. I'm, I can't wait to learn. Everyone get ready because let Renu's voice teach us and please have the ears and heart to listen because she she's a very busy woman with lots of clients. And right now we get the treat to listen to her one-on-one, and for that, I thank you, Renu. Let's get going.
2: Thank you, Lorena. So I think today we were going to focus on ahimsa, which is the first yama, uh, the first how do we live in harmony with others, the first instruction, you can call it, the first best, I love best practices, so we can stick with that. We want to focus on ahimsa today because it is the most important, and you and I, in our work together, we've often talked about it, but I wanted to also very briefly introduce you to all 10, because when I'm working on ahimsa with you or with a client, I'm also leaning on all the other 10. It's not a standalone principle. So let me run through it and then we'll swing back to ahimsa and then try to see how we can relate that to everyday life. So ahimsa is the first yama and it simply means, it translates as nonviolence. And of course, you know, most of us are not going out there, you know, punching people or but we're gonna talk about how how to be a peaceful warrior. Life is a battlefield. It's not about being wimpy or copping out. Life life is a war zone for everybody. You know, whether you're at work or making a podcast, there's there are battles, there are there are things that are gonna come up. So we'll we'll relate back to Ahimsa. The first one, Ahimsa. Then we go to satya, which is truthfulness. How to be in your integrity. It's very important. And this Ahimsa and truthfulness will often contradict because how do we stay in our integrity at the same time we don't create you know we don't pick a fight with somebody we don't get angry we don't say you know we we can't do it this way so we'll we'll come back to that in a minute then we go on to so we got ahimsa which is non-violence truthfulness integrity satya then there's asatya which is non-stealing not taking what is not yours this is also a big topic on its own each one is But oftentimes people will gossip and, you know, take something that's not own, take somebody's reputation, but also our own selves, how we steal from ourselves. How would you steal from yourself? You steal from yourself by, you know, self-sabotage, judgment. We are spirits. We are light, but we put ourselves down. So in a way, we are stealing from ourselves. We're not, we're stealing our, our truth, our light when we, you know, force ourselves into perfection and... It, it becomes a form of asatya. It's not being truthful. Okay.
0: So let, let's see if I'm getting this right. So Yama, what would be Yama in English?
2: Yama would be how to live in harmony with others. Got it. And Niyama would be how to live in harmony with yourself. So there are Wonderful. 10 best practices. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the first one is Ahimsa, which is nonviolence. Every activity that you do, you, you function like a peaceful warrior, conflict resolution without ego and emotion, without letting you know our, our story come into it, oh God, you did this to me or whatever else. And and so that's the first, most important thing to live in harmony with others, don't create conflict. And then the second one, we said truthfulness. And then the question comes up, if you live in your integrity, how do you not Sometimes, I'm not saying violence, sometimes, sometimes you have to get angry. Sometimes you have to, to fight the good fight, right? And these two, these two can sometimes contradict each other. And I want to I swing back to this at the very end once I've gone through all the others. Is that okay?
0: Yes, yes, totally. I would love that. And also, if you could guide us every time you use non-English word, if you could give us the equivalent, I think that helps me process it better.
2: Actually, I don't even need to use the Sanskrit words, except for ahimsa, because that's what our topic is today. So ahimsa, nonviolence. The next one is integrity. We are all familiar with all these. But the yoga philosophy says you have to practice these even before you get on your yoga mat. If you really want to benefit from yoga asana practice, these should be in your daily life you know, the checklist that you're working with, okay? How to stay in your integrity, how to be truthful, how to be bold and courageous and say your truth, and at the same time, how to not harm others in the process, okay? That's ahimsa. And then the yoga scriptures say the third yama is don't take what is not yours. Don't steal from others, you know, don't steal even from the earth. We take we take things that don't belong to us in many ways. We're not going out and robbing people, but... Even when you gossip about somebody, when you you know when you or we take somebody's ideas and pretend they're yours, it's a form of stealing. Okay. The next one is is self-control, which is you know we all love beautiful things. We enjoy a soft bed. We enjoy don't waste your energy by limiting yourself, getting caught up in pleasure. Pleasure is wonderful. A wonderful meal is great, but if you overindulge, every night you have a really heavy meal of, you know, steak and things that you really enjoy, it will eventually, you can't do yoga then. Does that make sense? You're not going to come into union. You're not going to become whole. So it's all about being in self-control without suppression, without suppressing your needs, your desires. Then there's moderation. Moderation to me is very important because I think all of us, all of us will There'll be some areas in our life we just go over the top. We just can't stop. You know, I'm I'm a student. You can see the books behind me. And I have to stay moderate because I can just keep on. I can just gorge on knowledge and studying. And that, too, can become an obstacle in our path.
0: An obsession, I imagine, right?
2: Yeah, an obsession. Yeah. And remember, in Vedic astrology, it's Rahu and Ketu. So it's very important. Um, the niyamas are also, you know, now we go to the Living in Harmony, with our bodies and with ourselves one is of course purity which is just cleanliness clean your closet you know eating good food being wholesome and clean it's very important to just have a tidy lifestyle and tidy food and keeping our body clean and keeping our you know toxins not building up in our body the next one is contentment learning how to be content without becoming complacent And to me, this one is just simply don't argue with reality. Things are the way they are. What's in the moment? How do we even become content with our discontent?
0: Could you give me an example?
2: I think that so much of the time people will spend time on... We have, you know, we live in times, Lorena, today that we have more than generations have ever, ever had for thousands of years, but we're still discontent. You can be discontent because you may, let's say you have a really good job. But you wanted a promotion, right? And you didn't get it. And now you are so depressed and so discontent. So this, Niyama teaches us how to be peaceful, how to, to go with the flow, acceptance of the situation for what it is. Okay. Without becoming complacent and just, you know, giving up.
0: Or in di- no, in, it's not indifference, it's just embracing it. It's just, you're just content in the moment with the things
2: as they are, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can't change them. You become discontent because we say, oh, this is not how reality should be, correct? It shouldn't be, you know, when we become upset, it's because we're saying things shouldn't be like this. You know, for, I, had a, I have something going in my life right now with my, um, with my publisher, and I'm thinking it shouldn't be like this, but it is. But I can still have a very content evening. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Thank you for an example. Sure. And,
2: and the next one is tapas, which is heat. Very important. I, I think it's Jung who said that the difference between a good life and a bad life is how well you can walk through fire. It is our ability to be disciplined and be able to take on the fire of life, the hardships of life. You know, they do that. In, I think you've done that, Lorena. Uh, walk yes. they make you walk on the fire, right? On the coals. Tony Robbins, I did yeah. that. <laughs> I remember that. I remember when you just went through that, right? And it's really teaching us that you can take the heat. It's really our own fears, right? And to be successful in life, you're going to have to, you're going to have the courage to stay in the fire and cook yourselves. So it's, it's discipline. It's discipline. It's the daily discipline. You know, being able to take a cold shower without freaking out,
0: and it's mental. It's mental, right? It's a lot it's of mental, mental physical,
2: and spiritual. Yes, absolutely. But even physically, physically, you know, if you can't take even a little discomfort, it's not going to be a very successful journey. Anything you want to achieve in life, whether it's making a podcast or becoming a yoga teacher, you're gonna to have to take on some hardships, right? Or raising children. And then the last two are 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 simple. One is self study, which is Figure out who you are. Ask yourself, you know, your motives, your thoughts, your emotional disturbances. You know, don't bury them. Don't hide them. Don't pretend they don't exist. That's a daily practice that I do. Uh, And the final one, I think, is really, really simple, which is that life knows what is better for us than we do. So don't, you know, believing in some, some higher power that is bigger than us, that our story is bigger than just what we're doing here on this earth. So these are the yama and the nyama. And they are the ten principles and you can learn more about them. I think today we wanted to focus more on Ahimsa.
0: Correct. So I, I think this is this was a good base, right? To kind of understand where we're gonna focus on today. If I recall correctly, Ahimsa is a nonviolent principle. Is that correct? Yeah, it's you know, obviously
2: when we translate words from another language, it's it's difficult to to give it the full meaning, but I think for me, I use it as do no harm. So in whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is that you're creating, even if it is you want to change the world, you have to be very, very careful to not harm somebody or something else in the process. And it's a, it's not that easy because, for example, I think a lot of times we talk about, you know, for me, I have to practice ahimsa in my practice as a as a transformation coach because helping others. Let's just use that example. In helping others, there's so much I want to teach. There's so much I, I, you know, would like to tell you. But when you practice Ahimsa, you stand outside of it and you allow the journey to unfold without forcing it. As soon as you're forcing something, right, you have the potential to do harm.
0: That makes sense, Lorena? It does. It does. So how does destiny play out with Ahimsa? Is, is it free will where you can apply ahimsa? Or let's say I had in my book, I talk about the violent, the, you know, I, I lost a healthy organ due to a medical malpractice. So the first thing that came to mind for me was revenge. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand where this anger came from. I had never been so angry in my life. So first of all, I dealt with guilt I thought mate, it was my fault that I had chosen the wrong doctor. And then, you know, you started teaching me about these principles. And after a lot of work, I noticed that not only you have to forgive yourself, which there's also a himsa towards oneself, right? I was beating myself up. I felt so responsible about it. Even how I spoke about others I was being very violent, you know, I was the perfect victim, let's put it that way. So does ahimsa relate with having the role of being a victim versus owning your process? Absolutely, beautifully said, because guilt, anger,
2: rage, victimhood, beating yourself up, beating others up, all of that falls into ahimsa. Because we don't only commit violence towards Others, we also do ahimsa to ourselves. So even though it literally means killing or doing physical harm, ahimsa, right? It can be taken on that level too. But for most of us, we're not. That's not. That's not going. That's not where we are dealing with it. For most of us, on a day-to-day level, we are dealing with what you just described. You get thrown into a battlefield, and in life, it can happen. In relationship, it can happen. Through medical malpractice, it can happen. Through you know, when you're at work, somebody challenges you or somebody hurts you or somebody insults you and, and our defenses, which is, you know, we, we have this God-given anger inside of, no, you can't do this to me. Or especially when somebody does it to your child, you know, what what comes raging through us. You know, I remember the first time my, my, my son was in kindergarten and, you know, some child was Treating him badly, and you can just see you want to just march in there, you know. So you have to step back. Once you start practicing ahimsa, you learn you are, if you're going to be a good, what I call a peaceful warrior, just like Lorena, in your situation, you were put in a war zone when you discovered they removed the wrong adrenal gland. This is a battle zone, right? You have a war to fight now. You have to, but if you bring in emotion into that, if you bring in all your feelings and your hurt and your you know, how I am guilty or maybe I'm responsible, you're not going to be a very good warrior. In fact, if you look at a good Marine, a good soldier, they're taught to remove emotionality out of the action that we have to take. Then we have the possibility to take a good action that is good for us and good for the other person as well. So sometimes it's just simple, count to 10. Count to 10 before you respond and you can respond kindly you can still stay in your integrity. You don't have to just lie down and let people walk all over you. But you, once you start removing all the guilt, emotions, victimhood from your actions, then you can take clean, pure action, which does not harm others or yourself.
1: Lorena Junco Margain passionate art collector, devoted wife and mother, is already shaken after fleeing Mexico with her family while pregnant due to concerns for their safety. After arriving in her new home in Austin, Texas, she learns she has a tumor on her adrenal gland. Although not life-threatening, the condition is serious and requires surgery right away. Having long experienced unexplained symptoms of dizziness and lethargy that neither medications nor holistic or Ayurvedic treatments have helped, she embraces the news with tears of relief. With a simple surgery, she can regain her strength and joyful spirit. But fate can be mischievous, and to err is human, even for surgeons. Rather than improve after surgery, her condition worsens. On the way to Casalotus is the gripping true story of Hunka Margain's journey coming to terms with the permanent consequences of a surgeon's devastating mistake mindful that even good people make errors, and that vengeance such as legal action would not mend her broken body or soul, she chooses instead to embark on a quest for peace and healing, beginning by seeking space in her heart to forgive. You can get your copy of On the Way to Casa Lotus on Amazon or at Reno, right I'm wondering how can
0: I apply this You know, I'm in a stage in life where I have three kids driving all day, having conversations with mothers on soccer games. And we know with COVID, it has been so hard. Some many parents want the kids to go back. Some don't. So you see all these texts and emails and there's a lot of anger behind them. And it's, Ahimsa seems to have a duality because if you listen to the teacher's point of view, you understand they're human and they want to, you know, feel safe in the environment. And then you listen to the mother's point of view and they're like, you know, I have a job, I need to send my kid to the school. But I believe there's a better way in avoiding this destruction in the process. So let's say, would dialogue be a way of practicing ahimsa or what What other tools could we use to communicate without going through the beaten path of anger or entitlement or criticism there's a lot of you know criticism uh this boy did that to my son so if he punches you you punch him back you know that's ahimsa when you're you know it comes from a place of love you're you're wanting your kid to be protected so I don't want to be judgmental of any mother that suggests that's the best thing to do. But then again, I say that's only leading to a more violent world. So how can you put it in simple things on where you you don't rub it in like, oh, you're a purist, right? Because you're so nice and you forgive versus, no, I actually think that I teach my son to say, stop it, I'm going to, you know, tell this to my mom, then they go and say, oh, that's tattling. You know, it's pretty amazing how even kids have this uh, survival mode wording. I wonder if there's a better way on how we can parent and also be good friends without robbing it the wrong way and not being, oh, I'm superior because I... I know this concept. How do you just ground it in a day-to-day world? Yes,
2: yeah, so I think you start by, you know, in my in my daily practice, just like everybody else, and I wake up and I think about ahimsa because I know tension, nervousness, being hurried, being out of balance all brings out the worst in me. So I would say as, you know, my children are grown now, but I know you're you're at I remember the stage that you're in now where you're driving your kids I remember being the mummy taxi uh, I don't have to deal with that so much now different issues now I think you start by grounding yourself and not I, I think we go into ahimsa mode when we are rushed when we are hurried when we receive 50 million texts you know our mind just doesn't have the time to process and then the in a way violence is our animalistic side it's not our higher side you know when somebody punches you and you just want to punch them back, right? So you begin by a practice, a daily practice, even before you get in the car. You know, you start your mummy driving that you've taken five seconds, count to ten to do the breathing, and then I think you go to the very big question that you're asking: How do we practice nonviolence without? How do we be a peaceful warrior in a, in life where there is always a battle? There is the teachers Correct. and the students, right? The parents. There's going to be conflict. The, Parents are come in your particular case, you know, the parents have their view. The kids don't go to school for two years. You know, you're really warping their growth, their evolution. You can't just keep them home. The teachers have their own point of view. They get sick. They have maybe older people at home. So that's already the, the battle has started, right? In anything, there are the maskers and the anti-maskers today. They have their views. So life first is accepting that life is constantly, there's always... Even between a husband and a wife, in a partnership, there's always going to be opinions that are different. How do we navigate that without creating harm to ourselves and to others? Yes? So that's really what we're talking. I am saying it's not so complicated when you put it into daily life. But once you become conscious that you want to navigate the conflicts of life without creating pain in others and yourself, how do you do that? You know, one of my favorite movies, which I often give to people who are not able to do that when I'm with my clients, is called The Last Samurai. I don't know if you've seen it. It's an old movie with Tom Cruise. Yes, I have. Beautiful. It's such a simple story of a soldier who has got a lot of PTSD and he moves in with the samurai. I think the, the, the Japanese culture mastered ahimsa and turned warriorship, you know, being a warrior, being in battle into a spiritual practice. So anyway, in the story, you know, Tom Cruise goes from being a very undisciplined soldier to a a samurai. In the same way, in our day-to-day life, whether you're driving the minivan or you're taking your kids, how do you take all these conflicts, right, and still navigate them? And sometimes you have to win the battles peacefully so you don't harm yourself. You know, most of the harm, Lorena, that occurs is to our own selves with the tension and the nervousness and the you know, our, our blood pressure goes up, our blood sugar goes up, all of that, even physiologically. So the simple answer is how do you conflict resolution by removing your ego and saying, well, this is the right way to do it and your emotions out of it. Then you can walk into the any situation, the most mundane to the, the highest, without creating war within yourself or with
0: others i think that's beautiful because everything is about perception so if your perception of the problem is is a good one and you're in control and you're that peaceful warrior i think it it is a much more pleasant journey in life just to see that that we are students of life and we're here to conquer our fears and nothing is personal these are just trials for you to evolve so for everyone out there listening you know, let, I think it's a moment in the world where we need this more than you know that I've been aware of. Where we need to be tolerant, we need to to be at peace, and if we all practice ahimsa in our day-to-day lives, even on how we drive, how we thank people at the grocery stores, if we thank doctors, if we eat the right food. And just by having a, a closed unit where you can control that and we only take care of that, we can do beautiful things in the world. I think it's not as hard to do it, but if we start putting more things in a recipe like politics and you want everyone to agree, then you have started the path of being violent again. So I tell me if I'm right, is it more of a personal journey? Is there like a community thing or it's more like your personal journey where you can practice it?
2: I think it is how to live in harmony. Remember all the yamas are how to live in harmony with others. And so what you what you said was beautiful because it's really conflict is inevitable but becoming aware and i can tell you there've been times in my life i wasn't aware of that so what we are doing today is just simply raising the awareness that you can resolve conflict without hurting others and hurting yourself okay but a lot of times we don't know that especially if we have been taught you know in our families as we are growing up conflict was always resolved by either victimhood or I'm right, you're wrong. There is never going to be a time on earth where everybody is going to agree on everything. It's just not going to... You sit in a parent-teacher meeting, there's going to be different opinions. You're in a relationship, there's going to be different opinions. So once we bring ahimsa into our life, once we bring in this concept of you keep in the forefront of your mind, even if your enemy is sitting there in front of you who is contradicting and that can be your husband, that can be your parents, that can be any, or it can be a friend, your first responsibility is to do no harm to yourself, more important than even others. You know, when we get angry, my, my guru, ama she says, it's like a double-edged sword. When we get angry because somebody has hurt us, she said, it's like a knife with two edges. You're carving out your inside with that knife, and you're hurting the other person too. So if you begin to resolve conflict any conflict in your life the smallest and you teach your children that too by standing back and saying how am i going to resolve this conflict without violence you know the mahatma gandhi the independence movement of india was based on ahimsa he was mahatma gandhi was on a path to get india independence from the british but he didn't want to do it violently he didn't want to create you know violent protests he wanted to do it through the nonviolent path It was called Ahimsa.
0: And from what I feel, there's always something's got to give, right? You just have to, sometimes you're in a position where you choose your better option and also embrace that there's destruction in life, no matter what, you know, even in nature, nature forces. And I've been in situations where it's painful. For example, having a friend, she became toxic in my life. It has nothing to, I I don't want to harm her, but I do set my boundaries. So that is a way of being nonviolent towards myself. Because sometimes you you are put in a position where you're pleasing others, but you're being violent to yourself versus saying, I'm going to start applying it through me and then that will project outwards is that a good way to put it
2: yes very much so and that's why I remember at the beginning i said that ahimsa kind of all the other yama and yama lean, lean on it particularly truthfulness and integrity you have to even teach your kids how do you stay in your integrity you know if some bully comes and you know hits you you don't stand back and just take it because you don't want to hurt the other person how do you stay authentic truthful to yourself to what you believe to what's right At the same time, you don't hurt the other person. And I think you do that by, so to practice ahimsa in this case would be, be real rather than nice. Does that make sense? You know, a lot of times when people take ahimsa, they just say, oh, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody, so I'm just going to be nice. No, then you're hurting yourself, right? In a very Mm -hmm. subtle way. So I think that ahimsa and authenticity go hand in hand when they work together. So you, they partner together. So ahimsa, do no harm, doesn't become a cop-out or a wimpy thing that, you know, I'm just not going to have fight anything in life. Sometimes you will have to. Sometimes you will have to fight the parent-teacher organization, or sometimes you will have to walk into the school, if your children are still in school, and say to the principal, I've done that in my life. I draw the line here. This is where I draw the line. You're not, you know, you're going to have to do that. So when you partner, being truthful, being authentic with ahimsa, then ahimsa can keep truthfulness from becoming a weapon. Does that make sense? Because a lot yes. of times people will say, well, this is the right thing to do, whether it's wearing a mask or, you know, and then they use what they believe to be their truth as a weapon against others. But if you if you combine the two and you stay in your integrity at the same time, you don't lash out, you don't bring in your emotion and, and, and you know, cause hurt to yourself and others, then you are a peaceful warrior who's winning. I mean, you, you know, life is not, we don't want to lose in life. But I do want to add that when it comes down to it, if you have a conflict between your truth and hurting somebody else, in vast majority of cases, ahimsa has to become becomes more important. Because doing no harm is more important, right? Even if you win your truth, what is the advantage? If you harmed your partner or you harmed your children or you harmed your friend. You can always walk away, as you said, with your toxic friend. You have the right, you know, you walk away and you say, look, I'm not going to do this anymore. But ahimsa would be if you had, she had to know why you did it and why she was so terrible to you. You know, all of that stuff, right? You can still peacefully say, no, I don't want to participate in this.
0: You know, I had a beautiful understanding of the concept when I first started writing the book, I was looking for um, a ghostwriter so she could help me thread my thoughts through. And I was very protective about my family. And she told me, Lorena, every author needs to write as if her parents were dead. And I remember it struck me so wrong because, you know, if my story was about forgiveness and here I was going to go out and about slashing people. And I think it's very interesting. I don't think she meant it that way. Mm -hmm. Maybe she did. I don't know. But in my consciousness, I know that I was not going to do anything without their blessing. And it's not that I'm attached to them it's au contraire. It's about honoring the ones that have loved me, giving life. And so this book I wrote on my way to Casalotus has been a beautiful journey because I've had a lot of hiccups and reprinting and, you know, re-editing and it takes time, it takes money, but I honored my family above everything else. And I think Somehow I understood it that I am not that person that will kill my father or my mother to be able to tell my story. And I invite the listeners out there, please be aware that every stroke you do creates waves and that, you know, we need to be responsible on the effects of our words, of our acts of our belief systems and right now we don't wanna divide the world anymore and polarize the world. We wanna we we wanna be a force of good. So Thank you for listening to us. There's so much, many stories Renu could share with us about the Ahimsa principle. And um, Renu, I don't know if you have any final thoughts about it. I would love going deeper into this topic. But I also remind everyone, you are not alone. There are many resources you can... Go to, you will find them at the end of the podcast in the link. You will also find Renu's website, her resources. There's interesting blogs articles. And I invite you to read on my way to Casa Lotus as well and just give you a glimpse of my world. And I hope you can reverberate in a way or mirror yourself in a way, uh, because we're all just too human and we're here to learn and be inspired, in my case, through Renu. And I hope I can inspire you all. And I invite you to the next episode to be a fly in the wall because There's much more to come and uncomfortable questions will be asked. I'll be vulnerable and I consider myself a student of life. I'm a very lucky student of life with having Renu Namyoshi in my life. And Renu, thank you for your valuable time. I do not take this for granted and I just want to tell you that I love you and that I'm always here for you and open with my heart and ears to learn all I can and be a better human in this world. Thank you, Renu. Thank you, Lorena, for being such a generous student and friend. I appreciate everything and I
2: appreciate everything I'm learning as you are transforming and growing. It's just, I'm so blessed.
0: It is a courageous step doing this. It's not my comfort zone, but I don't think it's anyone's comfort zone. So I invite everyone to be on their way listening to us and maybe inspire them and be that fire that gets them on their way to their own journey and to knowing that, that there are better ways of doing things and that we can make a beautiful world and a beautiful experience. So thank you, Renu, and to all our friends, mis amigos, can't wait to show you what's on our next episode.
1: Thanks for listening to On My Way with Lorena Hunko margain We'd like to invite you to send us your thoughts and any questions from this podcast by emailing Lorena at LorenaJunkoMargain.com. You can also reach out to us directly through our website by clicking the link in the show description of this podcast. This podcast is a production of Terra Firma and recorded from the historic Arlen Studios in Austin, Texas. Special thanks to executive producer, Casey Helmick, studio engineer, Joseph Olkeen, audio and video editor, Scott Caro, and our special guest, Renu Namjashi.